This show was first broadcast on Free FM, Hamilton, New Zealand's community access media organisation. For more information on our lineup of shows and the role we play in the media, visit freefm.org.nz. Hi, it's Vanessa from the Fighting Stigma Show on Free FM. Are you a Waikato local? Do you have an idea for a radio show? Do you want to try your hand at being a content creator on Free FM? If so, check out our website on freefm.org.nz or find Free FM on Facebook and get in touch. This program is sponsored by New Zealand Bridge, sponsors of Grassroots Bridge across the nation. Welcome to the Bridge Zone. You're at the table with Barry and Mariana. It is a crappy weather day today in Hamilton, and it looks like the rest of the country isn't faring so well either, Barry. Yep, it's all good weather for playing bridge, though. As they say, great weather for ducks and great weather for bridge. Guessing life in the pond with Kermit's going pretty good at the moment. <laughs> That's right, those tadpoles will be wet through. So we'll be talking to Kermit later on. She's coming up with a great tip for you today. And Judge Julie is in session. So we have Bailiff joining the Bridge Zone now. Tell me about the New Zealand Pairs. Another forgettable weekend for us. Great weekend for Rochelle Pilkman and... Was it Nick or was it Steph or was it Steph or yeah, was it Nick? Joy, Jacob. Yeah. yeah so. Someone Jacob. <laughs> Someone Jacob. So they basically led the whole way and won the Swiss Pairs. Pretty popular wins. Rochelle and I guess it's Nick but... Your mother can always look after you, Mariana, if they, you need to. <laughs> Nick had a bout of the flu, so Steph took over and, really? and did a great job. Very good. Um, second, keeping it in the family, Ella Jacob and Gao Tislevol. And third were Michael Weir and Malcolm Mayer. Ah. So he's still on that eight-point hunt. And I got a text from Mr Weir, actually. Yes. Yeah, he's he's right into this bet, even though he's not winning any money. And no, I'm not paying for the airfare to the Gold Coast. He does like the idea of the I'm Gold I'm sure Coast he did. Tickets. But anyway, so he <laughs> said that he's using the nominal value. So a 15A equals 15. So he's played events so far this year with 266 A points. And during that time, he's won 256. Holy. He says, I am planning to play 292 value for the rest of the year. That includes the Spring Nationals in Sydney, which he's given a value of 35. So he's still going to have to do pretty well to, to hit the 500 mark. So maybe I'll win that 10 bucks yet, Mariana. <laughs> and of course, it was all on over there. I kept hearing from Jeremy that Jack was down there and he was up there. And so Jeremy Rosa Hoskin has hit the lead in the Jeremy, Jack and Blair race. He got five A's or something. So he's four ahead of Jack. And I think Blair's about 20 behind that. Blair didn't have such a great weekend either. That's the bet situation. Yeah, but sneaky, sneaky. Isn't Blair and Jack playing the Rotorua Open? They are, and I couldn't even see Jeremy was in there. So although Mm. Blair won't be able to gain on Jack, he may well gain on Jeremy. They both could gain on Jeremy, yeah. I've got an apology to make. I don't know how the email system works. You know that I'm a Luddite. And we're still getting emails from last year. (laughs) How could that happen? Oh, look. Someone over the ditch is pushing the button refresh. Well, it, it didn't actually appear that way. But anyway, we, we had one that we missed. It. I'm, I'm really disappointed because there's some really good emails in there. And we got one from Ross Pravan, who I think is from Pataruru. I hope he's still listening to the show, Ross. If you are, I do apologise for not answering. We haven't blacklisted you. <laughs> we haven't. A really good question that he came up with. It was about Bergen Razors, Mariana. Okay, Judge Julie, don't talk to Judge Julie don't about this. Don't talk to Judge Julie. A lot of people play Bergen Razors, so that's a raise of a major suit. People play three clubs, three diamonds, and two no trumps as four-card raises with Bergen. So Ross was asking, how do you show a limit raise 
10 to 12 points with only three card support. And, of course, the answer is you don't. Bergen raises are all about four card four raises. That's they're all about four card raises. If you've got a three card support, you have to do something else. So that leaves you with a couple of options. If partner's first or second in hand, you could just bid another suit, which you must have if you've if you've only yep. got three hearts. You bid another suit, and then later on you jump to three of partner's majors, show at limit raise with with only three, because otherwise you would have used a Bergen. Yeah. So you could do that. But the problem comes, of course, if partner's third or fourth in hand and your and partner opens a heart and you bid two clubs or two diamonds or whatever, or even one spade, none of those bids are actually absolutely forcing anymore because you're a past hand. So partner could actually, if, if they've got a bit of an ugly choice of rebids, they could decide to pass your bid. And all of a sudden you're not in your 5-3 major fit, which is usually pretty disastrous. Some people there play a thing called Drury. Mm. So... The options. So that means that if partners are past hand and you open one heart and partner bids two clubs, it says exactly what we're talking about, Ross. It says, I've got three card support for your major and about 10 or 11 points. Well, if you had 12, you'd have opened, wouldn't you? So, so that's, that's one of the options. Another option, and I've got to say, I hate this option. <laughs> so I'm qualifying it now. I'm not recommending it. And people <laughs> call it Bergen, and it isn't. Let's just be clear it's not. Some people play a jump in the other major, shows three card support for your major and 10 to 12 points, so a limit raise. So one heart, two spades would say, I've got three hearts and I've got 10 to 12 points. And one spade, three hearts, shows 10 to 12 points and three card spade support. So some people play that. But if you open one heart one day and your partner bids to two spades or even worse, still the other way around. Yep. Your partner opens one heart and you bid two spades, intending as a limit raise. Partner forgets and leaves you there. Serves you right, I reckon. I reckon it's a terrible idea. <laughs> Good luck to you. <laughs> My option, I think you should just change the suit and then jump, then bid three of the major in the next round. Or if partner's third or fourth in hand, you can play Drury. So Ross was saying that some people just bid two hearts, one heart, two hearts. So one heart, two hearts shows three card support, but it shows six to nine. So it's just exactly six to nine. So you can't do that with 10 or 11 because partner's bound to get it wrong. Partners will do that to you. <laughs> just stick to good old normal bidding. Well, that's fine as long as partner doesn't pass it. Once again, good luck. Uh, we have a retraction from last week's show too. I got an email from the old program director. He misunderstood his partner Linda's results last week. He said that she got a podium. And he said, I'm sorry, I misunderstood. She didn't come second in the session. It was sort of, it was just relating to the beginners. She was Out a of sick- her little class. Mm. Oh, they're still pretty good. Very good. Well, I can see you've got a little bit of paper over there. Well, I've been reading off it, haven't you heard? <laughs> I've been watching. <laughs> so I've got one other thing I want to announce, and it's not very pleasant. I'd just like listeners to know. So Matthew Bristow. Is yep. seriously ill, pancreatic cancer, oh. and he is in hospital. And his family are trying to raise some money for drugs that could extend his life, or even you yep. know, that could help, but which are quite expensive and are not funded in New Zealand. Oh. So they've they've started to give a little page. Right. I have promised we will mention it on the Bridge Zone. Absolutely. So his, it's his daughter Tabitha who emailed me and asked me nice. about this. Tabitha, look, thank you for your email. We, you know, hearts go out to to Matthew and his family. And so I've said that we will actually put it on the NZ Bridge page as well. Perhaps for under the bridge zone, we'll put the give a little page 
on there. And if any of you would like to donate to that, uh, I think there's already upwards of a thousand dollars in there. Nice, but it won't be cheap. And um, Matthew's a great guy. Would love to see anything that can help him at all. Would be tremendous. <laughs> Oops, sorry. Did, did your head fall off? Yeah. <laughs> I remember the Bristows in my early days down in Palmerston North. They actually did the catering for the fabulous Christmas cheer that's held in Palmy. Oh, I understand their catering is tremendous. Yes, it was. it's always beautiful. So I don't know if they still continue to do that. Yes, it was always delightful. If you can, guess you check out Give a Little and check under his name. So look under NZ Bridge. And you'll see, see that it was on Facebook, so you may even see it on there. But we'll put it on the NZ Bridge page for this episode of the Bridge Zone, which, by the way, I think is number 150 or something. Is it? Yeah, so there you go, three years this month. 150. Another thing of information is Evelyn Hurley. Her service is on the 28th of June, and they're actually live streaming that for those that can't make it down to Palmerston North. So that's another awesome thing. So that's a Monday, I think. So yes. it's 2 o'clock on the Monday. Yep. 2 o'clock in the afternoon. Well, it wasn't going to be 2 o'clock in the morning, was it? No. You do some funny things around. Anyway, I've got a question for you. Yep. It's the same question you get every week. What's that? What's happening at the Hamilton Bridge Club lessons this week? Oh, this week we're actually just having, we've got 18 boards dealt for tonight's session and we're just playing. So 18 boards? 18 boards. 18 boards. They're never going to get through it. You'll be, you'll be there at midnight. We're just going to have a game. How did the big hands go last week? Did they have fun? Oh, they did have fun. But, you know, counting high cut points is very, very crazy. <laughs> you know, they always seem to miss one. <laughs> they open two-day trumps. It's like, oh, what's two-day trumps? 20 to 22, very confidently. Can we just count our hands again? Oh, I've got more. Where did they come from? I tell you, you can get drunk on those points when you've got too many picture cards in your hand, can't you? <laughs> it just goes to your head. But yes, they did have fun. So we're just having rehash today or a review tonight and then signing the big membership forms tonight and also completing our system card. So we've got a big night, so I've asked them all to come 10 minutes early. Woohoo! And we can start straight away, do the system card thing. Celebration forms. at the end? Yep. Is the bar going to be open? No, that'll be next week. Oh, okay. That's we're having good. two weeks playing and then we're going to look to move to the room. Okay. We're going to try and sync with the new start of the dates for the Tuesday session. So if that's in two more weeks, well, so be it. Okay. Yeah. And I hear that you're um, trying for some more of those A points on Wednesday, Mariana. On Wednesday, yes, I got the call up. Every win is worth 0.16 of an A point, Mariana. I am subbing for somebody who couldn't make it to the Swiss Pairs because I was unable to make the first match. Well, I've heard the reverse. I've heard that apparently that person's not playing and they, they were subbing for you. Oh, were they? I think so. I think you're going to be required next week as well. So that's 0.16, That's nearly a whole A point if you win them all. Oh, do you know who I'm playing with now? I think it's not David Jones that owns the department store in Wellington that you thought it was. <laughs> that's shut down now anyway. Yeah, well, it wasn't him anyway. Well, it's not only there. He's in Australia, isn't so he, David, David Jones? somebody? It's David Taylor, I believe. David Taylor. David Jones, oh, she told me. I thought, David Jones? I thought he was the department store. <laughs> You're in for a treat, David. 
Get your gumboots on, we're going down to the pond. What's this? It's Kermit's Bridge Tips with Pam Livingston. Good morning, Kermit. Good morning, Barry. <laughs> Before we start, I've got a little story to tell about Pam, which was quite amusing, I thought. We were playing, we are sitting oh, at the National Are Bears. you going to be nice? I'm always nice. Oh, <laughs> you, go on, Lynn. <laughs> so we're sitting at the National Piers. I don't think either of us are doing particularly well at the time. And Pam's sitting there and she's thinking and she's thinking. She's told us make a plan and all that sort of stuff. And she's in the tank. It took quite a while. And then finally she comes up, she thinks about it. And then she says, oh, God, I wish I'd hurry up. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was pretty funny at the time. <laughs> And then she went back into the tank. She didn't do anything. That was her contribution. <laughs> anyway, I'm sure you came up with the right... In fact, I don't know whether you came up with the right answer or not. I've forgotten. I can remember saying it, but I can't actually remember what it was about. I can't remember what it was about, and I can't remember what you came up with. <laughs> oh, dear. Despite all of that, I'm sure you've got a great tip for us again this week. Well, hopefully. And my tip this week is... Just because you pass doesn't mean it's the end of the auction. Now, it's very tempting when you've got something that looks like a bid and you want to get it off your chest. But remember that the cornerstone of a good partnership is giving your partner reliable information on which to make good decisions. Let's say, for instance, your right-hand opponent opens one heart and you're vulnerable and you've got an opening hand but you've got five diamonds to the jack so you think I've got to tell partner I've got an opening hand well do you do you really I think if you pass and it goes two hearts then a couple of things could happen you could get the opportunity to bid your diamonds in the pass out seat and then partner won't be expecting anything too marvellous Another thing could happen is that your partner took some action and then you could move. Or another really good one is that, say it went one heart past, two hearts, four hearts, passed out. Well, I'm sitting there with a two count, and you know what? You didn't have to tell me that you had an opening hand, because I can work that out, and we haven't told the clearer where all the points are. So when you bid... You need to be giving partner reliable information. Another little example is if you've got, say, five, four in the majors and a nine count and your systems don't have a bid to show that, it's very tempting to open that first in hand. But then, I don't know about you, but my partner would then gallop off the game and we'd go light. Or we're still slam. (laughs) Yeah, or we're still slam. but if you pass the first time, you may well get the opportunity to show that hand and you haven't overstated it. So just be patient. Just because you bid the first time doesn't mean that's the end of the auction. And if it does mean that you don't get to actually make a bid, that can often be a good thing. Well, have you ever been in the situation where you've been sitting there with your five diamonds to the jack pan and you thought... Oh, no, I really can't bid these. I better pass. They've opened one heart on your right. And then the hand on your left bids two diamonds. 
You yep. ever had that happen and you've thought to yourself, <laughs> Sometimes silence is really golden in those situations. You're sitting there thinking, you're thinking, my God, I wonder how much I was going for in two diamonds doubled, yeah. Exactly, exactly. So, mm. yep. I mean, when, when, the, when the opponent's open, you're already on the back foot. They know much more about the next bidder, knows much, much more about this hand than you do and you're stepping off a cliff a bit I'm not saying be a complete wimp just have what you say you're supposed to have wimp <laughs> I'm telling you Mariana being a complete wimp has its upsides in bridge I reckon sometimes <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. You mean you don't go for 3,400? Hey. <laughs> Funny how that number just keeps on coming back. <laughs> I didn't go there voluntarily, but I don't want to go back there. As the charming says, we don't want to pick that scab, do we? <laughs> no, we don't. It's good bringing it up, though. He does a little squirm in the seat. <laughs> yeah, it makes his little nervous tick come back, does it? <laughs> That's right. Okay, I think we've spoken enough to Kermit this week. She's mentioned my 3400. Passing can be a good thing to do if you've got nothing it better. A, it is a valid action. Thank you, Pam. Catch Kermit next week for another tip. See you. Hey, where's Judge Julie? Judge Julie is in session at the moment. He is Patrick. Good morning, Bailiff. We've got a couple of questions for you. Yes, good morning. This is on Swiss Pairs. We had a question from a listener about Swiss Pairs, and the question was that if you're playing in one of those events, as you go through the event, obviously somebody's ahead, got the leading pair followed by the second pair. Which way should the leading pair sit? Should it be north-south or should it be east-west? Well, it would have been assigned by the programme, and uh, I think some programs do actually do it that the leading pair always sits north. And I think some programs actually have it set so that north at table one and east at table two and then north at table three and then east at table four. I don't think it matters a lot because you're winding up with pairs of approximately equal calibre. And which one's north-south and which one's east-west doesn't make a big deal in the long run. I just think it's important that whatever the draw's done, it's done consistently when I do one manually, which I do for my club events, I actually make it random right through the field as to which way each pair is sitting. But if it did it that north-south was always the higher-ranking pair was, that wouldn't bother me either. So you're not really aware of any rule that says, well, the leaders no, have to I, sit this way? I don't think it's specified anywhere. The law book covers what happens when things happen at the table. The law book doesn't tell you how to run Swiss pairs. It's quite possible that countries might have rules. It might be done one specific way in America, and it might be done the different specific way in Australia, for all I know. It's just whatever rules you set up for the competition, and to me it's almost a non-event. The computer will do the draw. Sometimes you'll get a little bit lucky about who you play or which direction some of the top pairs are sitting. When seventh is playing eighth, who really knows seventh's always the better pair? I mean, you know, quite often you look at an eighth will be a much better pair than seventh. They just had a harder draw the last round. On a similar sort of theme, Patrick, I guess it's a, it happens a lot on club nights all around the country where you often get pairs sitting the same direction week in, week out, and you probably get the same pairs playing the same people because of that. That actually is more interesting because people are definitely creatures of habit and unfortunately they tend to always sit the same way and if for instance all the good pairs in your club do sit the same way for whatever reason sometimes it's because the less experienced players just aren't used to 
handling the uh, scoring device. All the new beginners are sitting in the same direction. That's not so good because if, if north-south clearly is stronger than east-west, that's bad just simply from that point of view. It's, it becomes sort of like a bunny-bashing competition, which of the strong players can beat up the not-so-strong players the most. Whereas I like to see competitions decided by players playing each other at the table, you know, meeting to play three or four boards against each other, and that's what decides the competition, not who can beat up some weaker pair. But the other thing is, for a club, it's uh, different when you're playing pairs. You want people in your club to meet all the other players in the club. And if they all sit the same way every time, then there's half the club that they never play because they're always sitting that way. And it's even worse than that for a bigger club where you don't go all the way around the room because people sit in the same place. (laughs) You know, old Fred always sits over there by the window or (laughs) Mrs. Smith sits under the light. That's the best light for her, for instance. If you always go clockwise around the room, for instance and people always sit in the same place and don't toss to decide who's north-south, then you'll go along to the club and you'll play the same people that you played the last time you went to the club. I think it's actually important that you don't always go clockwise and you don't always go anti-clockwise because we have the sections that are big enough that you you don't go all the way around the room. I will try to, to get people to play the people in the other direction. I know for some clubs... I've directed a tournament at another club, usually when Tony's uh, been busy and can't do it. Some clubs say, oh, no, no, you've confused us. We're going the wrong way. We always go this way. (laughs) Uh, And that seems crazy to me. I'd venture to suggest that most clubs probably go clockwise most of the time. Well, I I actually try to make it pretty much 50-50. Sometimes I go clockwise, sometimes I go anti-clockwise. Just occasionally, I think oh, I'd better go in a particular direction because of the way the room's laid out. You know, if they go that way, it's more obvious a particular move. But generally, it's completely random whether I've gone clockwise or anti-clockwise. That's just something to think about. Yes, I'm sure that'll give us. Some of our club directors might think about going anti-clockwise next week. Like I said, don't change to going always anti-clockwise or that defeats the purpose. It's <laughs> got to be some of each. Thanks for that. Okay, hey, hey, bye. bye. We're going to end the show on a question. I've got a great question for you, Barry. And it's really confusing. I got a little bit of a tap-tap on my hand at Bridge the other night. I was sort of surprised, and then I was like, oh, I don't really see a lot of people doing it anyway. So I'm sort of in the masses. I think it's a minority. But I got a tap-tap on my hand because I didn't alert a bid that was non-forcing. A lot of bids are non-forcing, though. Well, that's what I thought. What happened, Mariana? Oh, my gosh. Here we go. I need to get it right, so I've got details. All right. I open one heart. Left-hand opponent opens... (laughs) (laughs) Left-hand opponent bids two clubs. My partner then bids two diamonds. And it's passed, and then it comes to me, and I'm thinking, oh, crap. Okay. I've got a singleton diamond. I've got four spades and I don't have enough to reverse and I've only got three clubs to the ace and I thought, what do I do here? And I thought, oh, bugger it, I'm going to pass. I'm all good with passing. That'll tell partner I've got a weekend. But partner might have a 20 count. They might. Anyway, I'll pass. They might have a 22 count. They might do. But I pass. And anyway. It's not good for partnership morale, Mariana. Well, so my partner then... This is a family show. We shouldn't be broadcasting this sort of stuff. I know. And two diamonds and made a bit. We're playing teams. And the other team 
bid on to three no trumps going one off. And then I get the, you should alert that. I was like, well, what? It's a non-forcing bid, you should alert that. This is after the score up. And I was like, oh, no. And I said to my partner, I says, but what happens if I go like one club and they bid one diamonds and you bid one no trump? Am I meant to alert that too? Because that's non-forcing. No, that's different. I mean, the, the thing is, you didn't have an agreement that two diamonds was non-forcing. I'm going to do my, my I'm, other hand. I'm going to do my Judge Julian impersonation. Well, Mariana, that was a very interesting question you've got. <laughs> but actually, you didn't follow partnership agreements and you decided to pass a forcing bid. You are actually allowed to do that. If you do it on a regular basis, yeah, it should be alerted. But I believe that two diamonds shouldn't be alerted because it actually was a forcing bid. You took the risk that your partner had did have 20 points and you'd just missed a grand slam or whatever. We missed game. The only time that two diamonds would be alertable is if you're playing, like some people play a thing called negative free bids, where two diamonds wasn't forcing, that they'd have to double or cue their suit or something to be forcing. If that was the situation, if you were playing negative free bids, yes, it is alertable because it's sort of an unusual treatment. I mean, hey, look, if partner opens two clubs game forcing and you decide in all your wisdom you're going to pass it, well, you're allowed to, but it's not part of your system, and it isn't something that you should be alerting, unless it happens, you know, reasonably often. Right. So I think, Mariana, and it's not very often I say this, I think you're in the clear. (laughs) Well, here's my hand. I had an 11 count. It doesn't matter what you've got. It doesn't matter. All that matters is what your system agreement is. Right. Okay. When people call the director over and say, look at my hand, they usually don't care. They just want to know what the situation was. All right. I reckon you're okay. I think you're all right. Except that, you know, maybe next time, (laughs) next time, if if it happens again, the third time it happens, you ought to probably be alerting it and saying, hey, look, two diamonds is forcing in our system, but we don't always bid. Okay. But it probably won't happen again. Well, that was what I did anyway. If that's the only sin you committed in the last seven days, you've probably done all right. Only sin that I'm willing to broadcast. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well we better we better let the listeners go. Hey, going down to the Rotoru Open this weekend. Oh, more eight points. How many more do we need? Twenty. Three. Twenty-three. And you remember, you've got the Swiss Bears in Hamilton on Wednesday night. Again, the following Wednesday night. Those 23, they're going to come rolling in before you know it, I reckon. Yep. Yeah. Oh, I'm playing, also playing at Hamilton this Friday. Got another day off. Got too oh, much leave, Barry. It's only C points there, but that'll be fun. Yeah, it will be. Okay, people, if you've got anything to say to us, drop us an email. Bridgezoneshuffle at gmail.com. They are getting in there, which is quite nice. The good news is we are receiving them all now. So to all those people that sent them in and didn't get a response, I'm groveling for an apology here. But (laughs) please send us an email and we'd love to hear from you. Okay, catch you later. Bye for now. New Zealand Bridge, sponsoring Bridge from beginner to international, nationwide. Episodes, use the accessmedia.nz app for iOS and Android devices or subscribe to this podcast via Spotify, iHeartRadio or Apple Podcasts. This free FM podcast was brought to you with support from New Zealand On Air.